Hey, Chris Manning from Lockdown Cavs here. On today's show, Evan and I are going to talk about the Cavs, but also talk about Kobe Bryant, who, as I'm sure you know by now, um, died tragically along with his daughter and seven other people on Sunday near Calabasas, California. Um, there's going to be a whole lot more coming about that story in the coming days, I'm sure. The Cavs play tomorrow. Um, basically, every player on the team has issued some social media post about this. The Cavs have issued a statement, um, but the Cavs will, I'm sure, do something at the arena on Tuesday. I'm sure the Pistons will do something when the Cavs play Detroit tomorrow, but um, it's, I think, definitely the NBA news for the day, a tragic, tragic loss for the sport um, and for the Bryant, the whole Bryant family um, and everyone else that was affected by this. But um, we're going to talk about that at the top and then talk about some casualty things, but um, I think this will, at least at the top, be a more somber episode of Lockdown Cavs. If you're looking for more on the Kobe Bryant situation, uh, please go check out Lockdown Lakers. Anthony Irwin, I haven't listened to what he's recorded yet or if he's recorded yet, but if I know Anthony, he's going to put out um, episodes regarding Kobe that will be must-listen. So please go check that out um, if you want more reflecting on the on the legacy of the gone way too soon. Um, Kobe Bryant. This is Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, Evan. Um, you know, I mentioned at the top, you and I have talked about, I think everyone, I feel like this is one of those few times where like everyone on Twitter is talking about the same thing and it's not for a, for a good reason. Um, Kobe wow. Bryant again, died on Sunday at the age of 41, died in a, um, a helicopter accident near Calabasas. Details are, official details are very scant right now, um, but he and his eldest daughter, Gigi, um, are both dead. Um, she was 13, um, was, by all accounts, just really trying to take up the Kobe mantle. On the there's a really, there's obviously the, the clip that's gone around about them on the court side, but also I'm talking about her and Kimmel. Um, which you can find pretty easily and is, you know, just, you can see how proud he is of her. Um, how I just, I, I feel like the only question to ask, and it's sort of hard to even do just a couple hours after this, but um, how do you just feel like you're going to remember Kobe? Like, how do you just feel like you're going to remember this, I think, Titanic NBA person? It's, it's tough to put in the words and actually, um, pulled a quote from a Lee Jenkins video essay he did on Kobe that I'll share in a second. But just to my thoughts, um, I'm still wrapping my head around this entirely. It's just like I shared with you before we started recording. I was um, away from my phone and my watch buzzed like once and I just ignored it because I'll check it in a bit. And then it started rapid fire buzzing. So I'm thinking, oh shit, something's going on with my family. And I walk over and my friend, I like read the text from my friend because it's first and I usually respond to him the first. And he's just like, Kobe Bryant died and I said no way you're fucking with me right now and he's like check Twitter I'm not and then it just started hitting me in waves and it's just like I said I'm still wrapping my head around this and I can't even imagine what his wife Vanessa and his kids and his parents and his family are going through right now and I also can't imagine how hard it's going to be to have to bury your son your husband your father and then as well a daughter a sister and a granddaughter and it's it's just tragic but it's awesome and overwhelming maybe a bit to see the love and support around the world that's coming from this. Like Kobe was an icon. He was synonymous with the NBA and just like our generation, at least, I mean, 
let's be frank, like players our age and players younger than us, they view Kobe as their Michael Jordan. They either want to chase him or they want to be mentored by him. And just like all the tributes are touching and everything. And I hope all the players that are personally touched like this have time to grieve because it's just hard. But I guess the best way to sum up Kobe's legacy, like I said, was in a Lee Jenkins piece that he actually did a video diary on, on Kobe's last game of his career. And just to give a quick quote from it, he said, you could look at Kobe Bryant and you could see whatever you wanted to be a savior, a killer, a chucker, a champion, a man or a machine, the crazy uncle or the stubborn son. We want our stars to be great, but we want them to be interesting. He was suburban, but streetwise injured, but invincible often surrounded, but usually alone. Eventually there'll be, there'll come slicker players and better scorers, but there'll never be a richer character. And it's just absolutely just, devastating it keeps hitting me in waves and like i don't know how how, what are you how are you feeling chris you know i i i am still a little bit um in shock by this i mean i i I found out because i was weirdly also doing meal prep and my wife was at her at work um and texted me and said kobe bryant died question mark and um i I like just in my I just like almost assumed it was like a bad like meme she's seen on Facebook about like LeBron passing yeah. him and scoring or something that's, like that. That's why I thought it was a joke because it was like coming from a Cavs fan. So I'm like, all right, you're fucking with me. Yeah, so. and uh, it was just like, and then I Google it and it's like you immediately see the 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 reporting on it and where it came from. And you're like, look, I want to say like I am at, this is I am someone who is I very much like believe in the power of journalism. Um, this is one of those times where like, I wonder how good it was at how this came out. I don't think how this, I don't think I feel any better based on like all the speculation about who was with him and like the whole, like just like all of that is just like very bizarre to me. Um, don't think that helped that. And I, I, I think you just saw, I think for me, what will stick out with me about this day is just seeing the players. I think, you know, DeMar DeRozan, um, you know, was just clearly emotional. Um, mm-hmm. Trey Young is wore a number eight jersey to start the game in honor of Kobe. Um, Devin Booker was crying. Yeah, you know, violation. Yeah, Bradley Beal, the, the, the Raptors and the Spurs did that, 20, the dual 24-second violations in honor of Kobe. Um, you know, it's like I LeBron just last night passed him in scoring, was talking about him, and there's a video, which I find very weird that, that that someone, like, took that video, but, like, it exists of him coming off the plane and crying. And, like, I think this is going to be a long grieving process. I mean, All-Star Weekend is, is should be a Kobe fest. Um, I think I'm already, like, you got to find a trophy to name after Kobe, you know? Like, and I think maybe yeah. this would have, like – it would have come to love, but you have guys like Kyrie that aren't playing and like Kyrie, like close with Kobe, um, idolized Kobe called Kobe after winning the title in 2016, you know, like this is a guy that, you know, whether you love him, you think he's overrated, you hate him. You, you think he's the, the best player since Michael, whatever, like the guy is impact on the game is undeniable. Um, you know, I, 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 I under, there are certain things in his past. I think the incident in Colorado, um, certainly I think if you don't, if you don't want to remember him finally, I think if you're a particularly survivor of sexual assault, I think you have all the right in the world not to, to really engage with this, um, in the way that a lot of us are and the way that we are. Um, I, I think that is more than fair. My, th- I think with, um, I think with what is going on here from, for me, it's just like, this is just 
like a loss that I don't know. I don't know what the NBA does. Like I, I, I am, I agree that like they probably should have canceled the games on Sunday. I get why it's hard to do that because people are already in the arena and everything like that. Um, And arena schedules and everything as well. There's a lot of, there's a lot of logistics that make that, that make that very, very difficult. Um, People should know that before they're like crap, like being crass towards their team or the NBA or whatever. Yeah. I wonder if we do see something in the next couple of days or, or anything like that, um, that, that will stand out. You know, I, I think the whole NBA community um, for Kobe, for his daughter, for, for everyone, um, I think is truly good. I mean, you've seen, you, you've seen everyone from like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to Bill Russell to LeBron to DeMar DeRozan to, to every Cav, Larry Nance who played with Kobe in his last year. Um, all those guys, Kevin Porter Jr., someone as young as KPJ, uh, Baker Mayfield, the Browns quarterback, like everyone is, I think, paying their homage to to Kobe because of, I think, the imprint he's had on on what we think of as a modern athlete and what he was willing to describe. Do you have a favorite um, Kobe moment of some kind? Um, I tweeted about it earlier, but just to say what you think the NBA will do. Um, Shout out to Mark Stein. He just tweeted, and I promise I wasn't just checking my phone while you're talking for the sake of nah, checking it's, my phone. It's fine. You can he said that, that. Uh, Mavs owner Mark Cuban announced that no players in Mavericks history will ever wear number 24 again in tribute to Kobe Bryant. And I think that's a nice gesture, and I feel like that's a similar sentiment that most teams across the league may do. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I mean, I think that's the right way to maybe go forward. Like you said, maybe name a trophy after him, but to answer your question, my favorite Kobe moment, um, I have two because I'll admit I was never a Kobe fan. He was the perfect heel for the NBA where either you absolutely loved him or you absolutely hated him. And the way he would burn everybody and just the way that he kind of left everyone in his wake and and utter devastation, like, annoyed me because uh shout out to jordan zern for tweeting this originally but you and i probably know this pretty well like growing up being Cavs fans it started the great playground debate of who's better kobe or lebron and like looking back it's such a silly argument because uh, shout out to ben axelrod he says i don't want to really debate greatness anymore and it's just it's funny to think like that's one of my favorite memories just like overall with Kobe that or, you know, whenever I'm throwing trash in the trash can or hamper laundry in the hamper, which I still do now, I still shout Kobe every now and then. But if it comes with like an actual NBA memory memory, it's gotta be without a doubt. Cause I tweeted this earlier when Kyrie was at team USA practice where him and Kobe are just tearing into each other, like talking friendly banter for, however long the video was but like they were placing bets on a one-on-one charity game and everything else and it's just it's a lot of fun just because i think Kyrie was a rookie then or maybe a sophomore i'm not 100 percent sure on the memory but you could tell then how much he idolized kobe bryant and how much his mentorship meant to him and like you mentioned he was one of the people Kyrie first called when the championship happened and then kobe was sharing that memory as well and it's just like it's i don't know he's just He's bigger than basketball, and it's it's going to be tough going forward to think like this. The month of January in general is just tough. David Stern passing, book ended with David Stern passing away, and then um, Kobe passing away towards the end of the month. But what about you? What's your favorite overall Kobe memory? Yeah, I think it's the, the Kyrie stuff stands out to me. Um, his last game with LeBron 
really stands out to me because I think I just remember like car that was like something I was very um, excited to carve out time for and to um, make sure I watched and was paying attention to. Um, you know, I will I will also just distinctly. Um, I will think a lot about about really when I was from a Cavsy sort of perspective. Um, there are other things that I'm, I know I saw him play in person at least twice, which I'm very glad that I did. Um, if you're, I would just say if you're a sports fan and you can make time to go like see guys that even if they're not your favorite favorite player, like try to go see guys because like seeing them in person um, will be something you remember forever. Like I loved seeing KG. I love seeing Tim Duncan. Um, I love seeing Kobe, even though Kobe wasn't like my favorite, favorite player. I, it, he's an icon. Um, I will distinctly remember really wanting to see LeBron and Kobe play in the, like the 2011 ish finals around that time. And it's the, obviously something that we never got. There's those two yeah. guys on that big stage. Um, but those two guys and the respect they had for each other, the competitive respect they had for each other, to me is just like that was a amazing. fun rivalry. It's a really like a, it was fun. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I just this is just one of those things um, are incredible, and just like the the legend of Kobe in itself is just it's incredible, and like I love that like even though like he definitely took it seriously. Uh, like there's like the the ad he did with Kanye that's like a spoof of it where like yeah. it's like yeah I, what, the f- uh, what the fuck does that mean Kobe Bryant yeah and it's just it's incredible um it's just like a meta commentary on on the Mamba um mm-hmm. I I it's just a personality that I like so many guys are have tried to model themselves after Kobe but like the guy is one of one and like you can yeah. nitpick where he falls in the top fifteen players ever or whatever. The dude is one of one, mm-hmm. um, and it's I, you know it's it's absolutely it's a hole in the NBA. I mean, there's just no way it around is. it that no Kobe means that there is just something different about basketball right now. Um, you know, I mean, especially because of his age. It's not like he was. This is like Kobe he retired just a couple of years ago. Um, he was only forty one. Forty one years old. Just had a kid this past summer was really transitioning into this really interesting phase where like he, he made the, the, he won that Oscar. He got won an Oscar for that short he made, um, which I rewatched. I know you did as well. It's, it's worth, it's well worth your time. It's just a couple minutes. Um, you know, it was clearly just like engaging in the sport again. Like there was a whole thing where his daughter like got him back in the game. He's breaking on the game. Um, like I, I don't watch them for every sport, but like the the concept of the detail show on ESPN Plus, which is a really really cool thing, and like yeah. having a player break down a player like that, I, I love that. Um, and that's that's his brainchild. And Kobe, like losing Kobe, is means we're losing something about how I think we're going to understand the game. Um, it's it's a loss. I, I we're going to learn so much more about this. I think so many more people in the, the next week. This is going to be the thing that we're all talking about. The basketball itself is going to feel secondary. Um, I agree. I'll, I'll be really curious to see just how the NBA approaches this. I'll be curious to see how the Cavs players all approach this. You know, um, again, every single one of them basically has posted something about this, and you know, not everyone knew him, but like Kevin played with him in the Olympics. Uh, Larry played with him in LA. Tristan obviously, you know, knew him and went up against him several times. Like there are guys that were weren't even the league yet, obviously, before he came in. Um, you know, Darius Garland is twenty years old today. 
and he never yeah. played in the league at the same time as Kobe. And that's like, but I, I'm sure that like Darius Garland grew up on the legend of Kobe just as much as he grew up on the legend of LeBron. Kobe Bryant is an icon to like a whole mm-hmm. generation of players. And I think, again, regardless of what you think of that guy as a player, the dude's impact on the sport cannot be overstated. I don't think. Um, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cavs or or other teams do the number twenty four jersey retirement as well. That would not shock me if that became a thing. Uh, neither. Same here. It's just I'm still kind of like processing everything, but like I made it just a mental note while you're talking is how incredibly spoiled are we as fans of this game and we get the privilege to cover it and we get paid to spout our opinions online about the Cavs and the NBA as a whole, but we get to watch so many incredible players growing up and it's just hard to believe that one of them lost his life so tragically so quickly. And I guess just to everyone who's listening, um, I did make sure after I found the news to call my parents and my brother and other people that I love and that I'm close to just to let them know that I'm thinking of them and I love them and I hope they're doing okay because life's too short and you never know what's going to happen. So I'm going to dad everyone a little bit, but please do the same thing because again, life's too short. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that's there. I, I will say, um, you can find so many player actions and that that'll tell you what it is again we'll be curious we don't know what the NBA is going to do with this time we don't know um what kind of breaks they'll take or um days off or cancel games or whatever but this is clearly something that is going to be affecting people for a long time and um i, I think this will continue to be something that would say i mean you can just look at how many people are are putting you know like there's there's um, stuff going on at his high school in Philadelphia and like the up, up in the Lakers, up at the Lakers and stuff like that. Like that is um, like just a truly fascinating thing um, that we're seeing. And it tells you how much, you know, people have, how much he means to people. Um, and it's, it's, yeah. it's truly just something, again, we're not going to kind of get through of all the way. Um if you have your Kobe thoughts, we'd love to hear them. Tweet us and let us know. Um, I know, like Space from Mars, you put it out on the Lockdown Cavs account, Evan, which is because you're better at that than me. <laughs> but uh, Space from Mars mentioned the Kyrie thing, and I, that to me will be one of those things that really um, stands yeah. out. I'm gonna as we get out of here. There's uh this the the best column I've read in this so far is from Bill Plaschke in the LA Times, and this is just a paragraph that um, he wrote, and we'll wrap up the first segment on this. On your best days, the days you landed a big account or aced a big test or just strived to battle with traffic, survived the battle with traffic, you felt like Kobe. You were Kobe. And in the end, as he retired into a life of movies and books and coaching Gianna's basketball team, he was us. And that is such a, I think, great summation of of Kobe um, in a way that is just puts up everything kind of encapsulates what he was and what he was, what he was up until his, his death um, on, on Sunday. So again, uh, absolutely gutting loss for the NBA community. Um, we're going to be right back to transition away from this and, and talk about more stuff here on lockdown Cavs. All right, Evan, um, to move away from Kobe, to move away from everything that, that angle of things, the Cavs lost their seventh straight on Sunday. Um, oh. Zach Levine for the second straight Saturday scored 40 plus points against the Cavs. This time the Cavs weren't nearly as competitive as they were 
the last time around. Um, I, if you want a kind of a blow by blow ish recap, you can check out what I posted on Sunday night or Saturday night, excuse me. But Evan, anything stand out to you from from that game that um, you just want to kind of touch on here? The Cavs stink, dude. Like I don't know how many ways you can spin it at this point. Let's let me pull some positives here. I'm gonna go fishing. I'm faking the positivity after that really somber bummer Kobe segment we did. Um, Kevin Love had 20 points, 11 rebounds, four of eight from three point range. Uh, Colin Sexton had 18 points, three assists. Darius Garland had 13 points, one steal. Jetty had 18 points, six assists. Actually, what's most important is combined there was. 25 three-pointers, and Larry Nance and Jetty Osmond both said that they would donate $200 a piece per Angel Grey. Um, I was watching the game on TV at that point, and they she shared that uh, for every three-pointer made by both teams combined, they donate four, so $400 combined, and they raised ten grand for relief efforts in wake of the devastating earthquake in Jetty's home country of Turkey. So, hey, no, that's that's a positive thing. But the Cavs had a lead for a while, and then they got the doors blown off them. And just, I don't know how many ways you want me to spin this, Chris, but they just, they, they stink. Cavs are bad. Um, the yeah. Cavs are very, very bad at basketball. And when I look at this, the only two guys that I was kind of happy with their performance on Saturday would be Nance and Jetty. Um, I talked about that on the show. Um, I thought it was great that they, those two guys also raised money for the earthquake at Turkey. Um, I think it was like $80,000 they ended up raising, if I'm yeah. correct. I might have that number wrong, but they raised a good amount of money, um, which is very, very cool. And I think certainly means a lot to Jetty. Cool of Larry to kind of do that with with Jetty and step up and do it. Um, I guess that game just kind of more than anything was a reminder of like some of the stuff with the Cavs roster that is still an issue. You know, I think you look yeah. at uh, I think, you know, I like a lot of the wings they have. I like a lot of the guy, the potential of these guys. But I think if you're looking at something they need, they really need le- a legit wing defender. And I like McKinney. I understand mm-hmm. what they were doing. I think from the conversations I've had and just kind of sussing out in my brain, the reason you don't kind of n- extend a qualifying offer to Nawaba, match him, bring him back, and kind of let him play your defense is that you drafted all these young wings. You want to give them playing time. Um you know, you'll, you'll pick up a McKinney type down the road and kind of hope that's enough. Um, and certainly to at least give you depth behind your young guys. Well, KPJ's hurt, Windler's hurt. And then this, this looks a, a bunch worse because you don't have the guy in Kurt Snow, got hurt, whatever, whatever. But the Cavs don't just have a guy like that. They could, they can just defend. Like if you just go back to last year, like Nawaba, you know, has limits as a player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I hope after his Achilles injury that he can come back and still do some stuff in the league because I think the guy was a very tenacious defender. Defended Harden about as well as anyone I've seen do it last year and the first time those two teams played, um, the Cavs and Rockets played. But, you know, the Cavs just don't have a guy that can even moderately stand in front of Levine right now or a, a guy at Levine's level. And Levine's, like, not a great, great player, but he's a good player, a very good scorer, and he just eats the Cavs up. And the other part of that is they don't also, considering they have these two young guards, don't have good perimeter defense. And while Tristan is better than you might think at protecting the rim, they Levine was just, um, if you look at his shot chart, a lot of his damage came right at the rim, a lot of green there, and there was a lot of reds in the, in the long twos and on the threes, and he took eight free throws. Um, 
the Cavs are very prone to us. If, if another team has a scorer who can beat their wings and get inside like that, that's just a recipe to kind of put, put the ran the ball down the Cavs throat and create easy looks for others and lead to an easy mm-hmm. win. And I, there's not very much they can really do. I don't think, and this is sort of not realistic, but I don't know how much they're really use them to do to sort of make that work until the roster sort of, sort of improves. No, I absolutely agree. Um, I like your point where you said that the Cavs didn't bring back David Dewawa because they had the impression that Windler would. I mean, Kevin Porter started the season healthy, but you know, like we've discussed ad nauseum at this point, he's likely out till the All Star break or past the All Star break. And Windler's out for the year. Those are your two wings that you drafted this summer. They're not available, so you get a guy like McKinney. And I did a what he he um when. It was announced that he was going to sign a second 10-day deal. I was on the phone with him. And he more or less told me that the coaching staff kind of more views him as one of the team's better wing defenders. And they specifically give him the task of defending um, the best perimeter player on the opposing team. like Which, you know, is a tall order for most players, but he likes to step up to the opportunity. And I think he's fine going forward. And you and I have touched on this. I don't know if he'll be here next year. Maybe he finds a better team to stick with at that point. But, um, no, the Cavs just, like you said, have not been a very good perimeter defensive team for a while, especially after LeBron left town and have Sexton, Garland, Osmond on the perimeter, and then Love and Thompson. Like you said, Tristan can protect the rim to an extent, and I guess Nance can too sometimes. But it's just tough because once those anyone on the perimeter gets blown past, like, it's just pretty much open game for anyone. And I think um, Zach Levine is one of those players where once he kind of gets comfortable in the flow of things and he knows his shot's falling, it's just going to keep falling. And let's just be frank, Chicago's offense was pretty limited. Um, Levine had 44 points, the second highest score with Tomas Sadoransky at 19. And then after that, it was Chris Dunn with 10. Oh, no, sorry, Thaddeus Young with 11, then Chris Dunn at 10. And then everybody else either scored zero points if you're Felicio or you scored in single digits after the fact. So I think Chicago's game plan was let Zach Levine get his shots and just take over the offense, and apparently the Cavs weren't equipped to prepare for that. But it's just a weird mesh right now of guys playing out of position. Because I, I haven't really looked into it, but I'm sure Dante Exum got some burnt three last night. And... It's just he tried injuries. on Levine. He tried. Yeah, like, he tried. He, he just like he has the athleticism, and like I think um, he's like a solid defender, but he's like you know not gonna like yeah. be like a super super elite defender no. in any way, and that's a problem. Um, I want to let me ask you this. So I was looking at uh, def- I pulled up defensive RPM. Um, who would you who uh, among the Cavs small forwards and their wing types? Who would you guess? Who would you guess is their their best rated defender? This is tough. Are we allowed to use that sound bite? If I'm doing it with my mouth, they can they can do it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I just didn't want to get us in trouble with. Yeah, don't sue uh, me, Alex Trebek. Yeah, I don't know if he's. I want to say McKinney, but I don't know. It's either McKinney or KPJ at this point because okay, it's Jetty. I don't know. 
Oh, okay. Well, I'm so Jetty is at a. They're all negative. Jetty is about point oh negative point two. Bikini is a negative one point two five. Uh, KPJ is like I think a negative point eight, and then um, XM for the year is negative point two. So like it's XM and, and Osmond sort of in the in the roughly same range. Um, Delhi is like still a positive, which just remains very funny to me. Um, <laughs> um, and you can look at you can look down the list, and if you want to look at um, point guards in particular, um, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton is almost negative two. He's fallen off a bit, and that's like there. And Sexton, excuse me, is at negative one point eight nine. Um, that's the same as Darren Fox, about the same, a little above Derek Rose, around Tyus Jones. And Garland's at negative 1.28, which is right around the Ish Smith, PJ Dozier, uh, Brandon Knight, TG, and then um, Kemba Walker territory. So, like, they don't have anyone that is, like, rating out as even average. Like, Exum and Osman are close to there, and they're, uh-huh. they're just not. Um, you know, if you look at – and it's not like the like, – I, I, when I think about the Cavs roster, I don't think they need, like, a Rudy Gobert type to kind of solve everything. Uh-huh. Um like, but interesting's a positive on defense, but like they just did, they, they don't have like the guy that's just going to wipe everything out and, and solve a lot of their issues in the back. That just, that just doesn't exist for them. No, I agree. And I think that it, that solution probably likely won't come until the summer. Um, I'm sure many of you have listened, but if you haven't listened to the episode with Trevor Magnotti talking about the 2020 NBA draft and Onyeka Onkongwu, um, I was talking to Trevor after the fact, and he said, you know, you could talk him into saying that Okongwu is like a top, the top prospect or one of the top three prospects, but he's the overall safest player. And shout out to Carter Rodriguez, the non-terrorist, friendly, somewhat disappointed dad host of the Inferior Chase Down. But I agree with him because he said this in the chat that Trevor and I were having with him that it'd just be nice to have the Cavs, for the Cavs to have like a true rim protector again. <laughs> And somebody who can actually play decent defense. And I think Okongwu would be that solution, but that's not till this summer. So I don't see anything changing between now and then. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Justin Patton, they kick the tires on and they find out that he is healthy enough to play basketball because he was traded to Dallas and then waived by Dallas after the Dallas traded for Willie Cauley-Stein. And I mean, I don't know. I haven't really looked at most of the free agent centers out there who's really available in terms of like G League potential or prospects, but... I no, the Cavs are a tire fire defensively, and I think it's an indictment on getting rid of the last these pieces that were tailored or made to fit around alongside LeBron. And you know, they're on bad, they're on a bad team, so why give their full effort on both sides of the floor? Maybe you just put up decent enough numbers to help make your tra- case to get traded. And then you have a bunch of young and experienced guys who are still trying to get their feet wet and learn. So, I mean, I'm not surprised about how bad they are defensively, but boy, oh boy. Um, I was surprised by the Jetty thing because I poo-poo his defense a lot, but um, I guess that's good that he is the best Cavs Wings defender because he's starting at three for them. So I don't know. It's just I don't think there's an immediate solution for the foreseeable future unless Cleveland makes some absolutely absurd trade that I'll probably end up hating for a decent defensive prospect that that wouldn't mortgage their rebuild. Or sorry, Renaissance. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's about right. Okay, one last break, and then we'll be back to talk about how the Cavs can um, snap this seven-game losing streak. Um, just before we get into the next segment, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all of the great advertisers working with Lockdown to reach sports fans. 
But you may not know that Locked On Cavs is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Cleveland Cavaliers fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And that's not just any podcast listener. That's a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Cleveland Cavaliers fans in a predominantly male audience, that is well-educated with disposable income that put your company right here on this lockdown podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockdownpodcast.com backslash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve a lockdown advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockdownpodcast.com backslash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you, and we'll be right back. All right, Evan, last segment. Um, The Cavs have a busy week ahead of them. Um, Games on Monday against the Pistons, a Tuesday game against the Pelicans, Thursday against the Raptors, Saturday against the Warriors, um, which certainly will be a different kind of Cavs-Warriors game than we've been used to in years past. Um. This is, I, th- I think the Cavs obviously would clearly like to break that losing streak, um, get it off their back, just kind of move on from it. You know, shocking take here inside big insider stuff from your boy. But what do you would be a way for the Cavs to kind of write some of what's going wrong here and then perhaps pick up a win this week? Well, to your point with the Cavs, they would like to end their losing streak. You know, I'd like to win the lottery tomorrow, but I'm not, I'm, I'm still going to end up going to work. But I'm looking at the Cleveland's upcoming schedule, like you said. It's Detroit, New Orleans, Toronto, Golden State. I think Cleveland might be riding a 10-game losing streak because Zion is back. Because before Zion was back, I said, maybe that New Orleans game on Tuesday is a bit of a toss-up for Cleveland. Maybe they could eke out a win. But Toronto is so well-coached and so well-put-together and just great overall, and maybe it's karma for me dumping on the Raptors for all these years on Twitter that they're finally, you know, beating their demon after LeBron left town. But um, I don't see them beating Detroit and, you know, actually now looking at it coming off the back against New Orleans. I don't see that happening as well. So Golden State might be possible. So I guess that's kind of a good, a feel-good win to beat up on your kick – your kick your old rival while he's down. But to, it's tough to fix things. like. And I still don't think there's an immediate solution for this Cavs team. You just have to hope for good health and hope that maybe you catch a team on a bad night or something, or maybe because of this Kobe news, like some players might be a little bit more checked out mentally. So it's just a little bit easier to capitalize on it. But I, it's, it's rough footing, man. If it's not golden state, maybe they beat New York the following Monday um so like you said that the fact that you had to say maybe beating the knicks a week from monday tells well, you like everything you need to know about where the Cavs are at right now let's see they lost to the knicks by 20 on january 20th and i'm just gonna uh, control f new york because remember when the Cavs beat the knicks by 21 points and they were four and five and we we're riding off a high oh my god you actually had me on the podcast, and we lost to the Sixers. They, we, we, as I play for them, they lost to the Sixers by one. I said, you know, the good times might be over. And that's when the doors kind of fell off the van here. So then they lost to New York 123 to 105. That was a miserable game. And then they lost to New York recently by 20. So I don't see there being an immediate solution. 
But um, maybe there's like some roster changes and things actually get bad enough. But just the way, excuse me, the death chart is shaking out right now. I don't know if you can make like a drastic change. It's like, this is what we're sticking with going forward. And it's going to help us win because it's just a young and inexperienced team. And then a couple injured veterans. And then some guys who are probably a little bit more checked out because they know they're not getting moved after watching the joker a bunch of times but um yeah no i don't know what do you what about you i'm, I'm kind of taking the floor too long here what do you think the Cavs can do to maybe get off the seven game slide and i didn't even realize it was seven games until i looked it up like i looked at the full schedule in context i'm like oh my god they have lost seven games in a row yeah and their last one was against like a very good nuggets team in Denver, yeah. like which is like one of the worst places to go on the road and play because of the altitude and stuff. And like we that. both were sure that they were going to lose that game. Yeah, we were both just like, okay, they're definitely taking an L here. Um, okay, so for me, I think one thing that would help is I think the turnover stuff is is been an issue. Um, I think it was like twenty seven points off twenty one turnovers on Saturday. They're a little careless right now. The energy level just feels really oh. off to me too. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see what it's like when I am finally. You know, and back in the arena, we'll both be there on Tuesday, which I'm looking. I actually, have, you, I actually have not seen you since we teamed up to do. You joined me on this podcast, so it'll be very good to like see you and, and record an episode in person. I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, but I, I, I think that I was, sh- yeah. I was shaking my head in agreement. I didn't want to seem like a dick and not no. say anything. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. You're never a dick. you're like the nice human being. Um, no, <laughs> I think you are. You always tell me you're not, but I think you are. Um, I, I look at what this team is just the energy level looks broken. Um, yeah, I don't think the depth issues help like the, what they're trying to do and sort of like we, what, and I know why they're doing it, but like the way they're weaving a line with Tyler cook and McKinney and, um, kind of guys on tended deals. And like, you're figuring out this weird rotation and you do have all these guys out. It does sort of put a, I mean, you're playing on guys a lot of minutes and it just sort of is clear that Delhi is just like, a body right now, but not like a very useful body. Like Delhi's kind of cooked, I think, at this what a, point. Um, what a bummer of a statement. Yeah, I hope Delhi just like I know I don't know what he's going to do after this year. I hope I hope the Cavs like hire him as a coach or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, I think that I, I he truly just I don't know what he's supposed to do. Um, to earn an NBA contract at this point, like the guy just looks just looks completely washed. Um, which again really sucks. I think you do have to hope you catch a team on a bad night. You know, um, if I'm looking at this week, I don't feel good about Tuesday and I don't feel good about Thursday. So if I'm saying the Cavs are going to win a game, it's probably tomorrow in Detroit or Saturday at home against the Warriors. Um, you know, they've, they've played the Pistons tough at least once this year. Um, you know, that's not a particularly good team, you know, but they, they've also kind of had Derek Rose just like destroy them in certain regards. And the Warriors are, are bad. Um, you know, their talent level is definitely lower than the Cavs. So you think that maybe that's a game you need to just kind of find a way to take care of business and just kind of just get that one done. I do think the biggest thing that will help this team um, coming off that longer road trip, having kind of like a compact, very tight schedule after it, it's they're probably a little tired. I would, I would guess. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if like, just get to the all-star break, get like nine days off. There's like, oh, maybe the only people that are like Sexton and Garland are maybe the two guys that will have anything to do that weekend because like no one's going to be on the all-star team and like they'll be being like the rising star challenge or whatever it's called now. I think they maybe just need like a little break to just kind of recoup 
Um, and once this sort of, I, I don't, I don't know how they, I don't think it'd be fit. You, you would get a good answer if you asked them this in the locker room, if we were going there Tuesday and ask Larry or Tristan or whomever, but like, I wonder if you, if they can just get to a point where like the trade deadline has passed, they sort of, everyone is going to end up where they're going to end up in terms of buying out and they, they sort of know what the roster is going to look like and they know what they're going to have and they can get as healthy as they can get. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that just makes things a little bit better than they have been. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And I actually want to poise a question to you. Do you think this team is starting to check out mentally on Bayline? Because that's like kind of a fear I've always had. And then like the reporting from the Athletic and the slugs, slugs not thugs comment like raises a red flag. And I wonder like you see that players like going to JB Bickerstaff and they clearly respect JB and everything else, I start to worry that maybe if this losing skid keeps continuing, like, Bayland's going to fully lose control in respect of this locker room. And that's a fear I have in mind with this losing streak. You know, it would not surprise me um, if there was some sort of frustration there. Um, Because he said last night, like, the Cavs have all these bad habits in his post-game presser, and I think then why don't you arrest them? That's just like, I quietly said it to myself and just shut off the TV. Cause I'm just like, whatever. You know, he, he's also probably like learning like yeah. how to do that on a, in a, like again, like John to John to, to think about John Beeline. This mm-hmm. is a player, a, a coach, excuse me, who like is his schedule from what he has this year is just so different than oh, what yeah. he had in college. And as much as J.B. Bickerstaff and Antonio Lang and the guy and Garrett and the other guys that were with the Cavs last year that are still around can help him, there if he is sort of the, the lead guy in charge and he is sort of setting the schedule for this stuff, and there's like he kind of has to be the one is ultimately kind of figuring stuff out and making it work. Um I thought it was very telling. You know, I don't I, I thought it was really interesting that when I was flipping through Cleveland.com sports section on Sunday, there's a Terry Pluto column mm. with the headline: "If John Beeline had to do it over again, would he come to coach the Cleveland Cavaliers?" I don't think um, he would. And he asked him if it was worth it, and he said he didn't regret it. You know, you know, he's not gonna Beeline is not gonna be just like when Kevin Love was asked if he would be like unhappy if he was here. So it's trade deadline the other day. Um, yeah, with all the shit know, that's I, been going on with this team, you don't want to say anything bad. <laughs> well, it's just like there's no good way for them to answer that publicly. Like That's he's gonna get true. fined if he's like, I want to be traded. You know what I mean? Like Kevin's not Kevin. He's very rich and can he he can give you money because he he made that known apparently. But like he's also not gonna go out of his way to like to just give the NBA like ten thousand dollars or whatever. Um, yeah. It's just a it. it I think the All Star break. Well, if things don't improve after the All Star break, then I think we're facing what is gonna feel like last year, and that's where I get a little like, what are we even doing here? Um, yeah, I'd agree if, with that. If things are bleak after the All Star break, when the roster and the, and after the traded line, which comes before the All Star break, and things don't normalize by then, um, you know we're going to be in a little bit of we're going to be in a tricky situation if that's still the case. No, I'd agree. And I was looking at my calendar. We are this is Monday's episode, so including Monday, that we are eleven days away from the trade deadline, and I'm I don't know what the Cavs are going to do. I think there's are going to be some guys who get bought out, and then there are going to be some guys who might surprise people that are still here. But like you said, I think 
maybe having a little bit of a healthier roster will help for sure. I think maybe not giving Delhi because he's just a warm body on the floor trying. I mean, just breaking my heart because he's still trying to like be the Della Vadova we all know and love, but the tendonitis in his knees and just overall just like his career trajectory is flatlined at this point and it's sad to watch as a fan of this team but um it's just yeah no i think health will help but like you said maybe if this is still like a bad bad problem and hey let's look at the Cavs schedule at the after the trade deadline we have the clippers in town so welcome home tyloo and then they have atlanta washington which are two winnable games so that might kind of cleanse the palate a little bit and then miami miami philly new Miami, Miami, New Orleans, or Philly, New Orleans, Indiana, Utah, Boston, Denver, San Antonio. So hopefully you get two feel-good wins after that. But um, we'll have to see what happens. But like you said, yeah, maybe I'm pump- maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit here. But um, we'll like yeah, like you said, I'd be a little bit more concerned once the Cavs kind of return to health and maybe get some time off. Like you said, like I think Darius Garland's hitting his wall, and we've touched on this before, but. I think some time off will do him a lot of good. I think just to kind of clear the air a little bit and let guys do whatever they want to do for the extended break will help a lot as well. But um, no, the Cavs are just in a weird spot right now. And the seven-game losing streak just kind of feels like it's like, all right, well, we're at the point in the year where we realize they just aren't very good. But I don't know. It's um, I don't know if there's like an immediate thing the Cavs can do, but I think a win would definitely change a lot of things. And like you said, Detroit's possible, but I'm more so circling Golden State because they are surprisingly worse than the Cavs. Yeah, which is which is saying something. Um, yeah. but that's gonna be it for today's show. Um, again, check out Lockdown Lakers if you want more on Kobe. We're on social at CWM Rights for me at and not Evan for Evan Lockdown Cavs on Twitter. Uh, for us and on Facebook and locked on calves at gmail.com. If you want to share your Kobe memories or, or drop in mailbag questions um, that you can, that's where you can find us or how you can contact the show. We'll be back tomorrow um, touching on Cavs Pistons, hopefully talking about um, someone from new Orleans about the Zion debut to come as well. But for myself, for Evan, this has been locked on Cavaliers for um, Monday, January 27th um, to paraphrase Kanye West, um, give flowers to people while they're still around. Thanks for listening.